0: I'm Paul Hamill, and you're listening to the Grassroots Coach Podcast, a podcast for grassroots soccer enthusiasts.
1: When we look at the the holistic development of players, if you are the sort of coach that has trials at under 12s or under 13s, in my view, you are instantly... uh, you were instantly telling every player in your squad that if a better kid walks in the door, it doesn't matter all the years that we've worked together. Mm, yeah. I'm hushing you out of here. Absolutely. The knock on effect of that is obviously you will cut who you consider to be the dead, the dead wood, and you might get in the better kid from whatever, but all the best players in your team, their relationship with you has now changed. They now say, well, I better start looking at another club because Paul's going to cut me if another lad comes along. So you're actually cultivating sure. a rootlessness.
0: In this episode, I'm joined by Stephen Finn, UEFA A coach and member of the football research group at Waterford IT, and Martine Perciavalle, FAI futsal lead tutor and UEFA futsal Licensed coach, where we discuss the benefits of futsal for the development of our young players what would it look like if I was if you were aware that I was bringing futsal into my training what would how, you look co- like?
2: how you coach the one v one situation when the ball is going to the player receiving the ball if if it's an offensive session how you're coaching that player receiving the ball and okay. how you're coaching the second player the player who is closest to that first option from the player receiving the ball and if you're thinking about a defensive session yeah what are you what are you doing with the man who's going to be pressing? the man who is receiving the ball. So those are the two things that it, it, it will give me an indication. Yes, he's introducing some of the uh, um, futsal uh, fundamentals. In this so
0: field. 1v1 skill and ability is key in
2: well, it, from, I'm not an, saying, from an offensive I'm not, point not, of view. Yeah, but don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that futsal is a 1v1 skill, sure. uh, what I'm, a, a 1v1 situation. What I'm saying is how do you coach the player receiving the ball? okay mm-hmm. and based yeah. on where the defender is the information that you are providing to that player, because I remember and this is coming from Stephen Finn. He said long time God," and I don't remember the name of 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 the player who said this to him, but he said that. One of, of his players told him when I'm playing futsal. Sorry, when I'm playing football, I feel under pressure when someone is coming towards me and, and around five to three meters, I'm starting to panic because I know he's closing me down. Mm. Futsal, he can be close to me and that, then is when I start to feel the pressure. So now that I'm moving to football, I don't have that, um, that feeling of being under pressure. And probably it was Dan Massey who said this. Uh, I, I don't know. But in futsal, you, if, if someone is five meters away from you, I guarantee you that that player is not going to be afraid of receiving the ball. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I'm saying to you. And that's how I'm going to know, based on the information that you're providing to that player receiving the ball, if you're introducing futsal uh, fundamentals or not.
0: Because my, my default as a player, and I was a, an average amateur player, would have always have been to go by a player would have to have been a one-two. I wouldn't have had the confidence to take the player on.
2: Yeah. Well, For whatever if... reason. If you you come to one of my coaching sessions, futsal coaching session, the first thing that I always say to the player receiving the ball, attack the defender. Sure,
0: yeah.
2: And then I'm telling him to dribble that man. I said, attack it. Attack it. And then from there, the other players need to decide what they're going to be doing.
0: And what, what, is, what is it about our fear of doing that? Is it the fear of the player losing the ball? Because, you, you know, you can often say, you know, so long as you do that in attacking areas, it's okay. But don't ever do it as a defender. Do you yeah, know, it's, it's again, that fear of losing the ball. I, and...
2: I, I, again, you as a coach, if I know that I'm taking a risk by telling my player, attack the, attack the defender. Attack mm-hmm. him. When you have the ball, attack him. But I know that if if my player is attacking that man with the ball, then I need to have someone doing something. And as a coach, you need to tell... So if, player, if you lose
0: if you lose it, there's cover.
2: Exactly. So right. yeah. even when we are attacking, we need to have some balance. So if this guy yeah. is doing this, then this guy needs to be doing something. Because if the ball is lost, then we need to have some sort of reaction. Sure. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, 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 and again, there's a combination of a lot of things. But... Uh, I don't see why we are not introducing this into our football coaching sessions. Because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, what we're going to have is players with more confidence when they have the ball.
0: And Martin, I want to come to you in a second, Stephen, but Martin, can you can you see us developing these players that we talk about, these exceptional attacking type players, without what we're talking about? Because it's not going to just happen if we keep doing the same stuff over and over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Nothing's going to change.
2: Leaving aside, leaving aside the sports, what is our biggest competition nowadays with kids?
0: Uh, leaving aside sports. Yes. Um, I presume they're, they're video games and stuff like
2: that. Yeah. Exactly. So they have more interest in playing video games than something else.
0: Mm.
2: Back in the old days, when we didn't have video games, we used to play soccer on, on the street, right? We don't For have sure. that anymore. Yeah. You don't yeah. see any kids playing football. Yeah. And, and, and 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 that's the biggest competition that we have now. Forget about the sport. It's mm. not that is is kids are losing interest. Sorry about that. Not at all. Players are, losing, players are losing interest because they have other stuff that is more interesting than football. Yeah, it's more and, exciting. And, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. And we are the ones to blame because we have make football not interested for our kids. And probably it's because we don't have those situations where players are in touch of the ball as often as they used to be
0: and training is very structured you know I mean no matter how good of a coach you are I do it myself get in too often to stop you know there's there's times where I, I step in and I go I probably shouldn't be doing this but I need to tell them I need to inform them and you know, I, I'm going in, and I'm going. I probably shouldn't be doing this. Just let them get on with it. I wouldn't be the worst at it now. By, by yeah, any I think that goes back to.
1: I think that goes back to what we were talking earlier. What I was saying earlier on. You know, if you just explain the parameters of the game and let them play, and then maybe stop after five minutes of play, get them to give give you some feedback. One minute
2: hmm.
1: back in again, uh, and start again. I think other areas where futsal you uh, should really be considered. I think. We look at uh, aspects. Uh, firstly, obviously, the winter thing. Like my own experience of it. I have a son now who's twenty-one. When he played uh, underage, uh, he played with Rangers in uh, Bushy Park in Tyrone, York. This is one hundred percent true. Uh, his, he never completed a single season of schoolboy football because uh, the pitch was always being called off. Yeah. The only time. So on average, you get one match in November and your next match would be maybe you might get one on a nice weekend between March and April. And then like one season, we went into May with 19 league games left. Like it was just ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Um, and this goes back to then the argument that the teams that have the Astro pitches, like their seasons are probably tipping along grand. But the, the clubs that only had access to the grass pitches weren't but the, the couple of seasons that the ddsl gave the kids uh, a futsal program they got uh they got futsal for six or eight weeks and uh, that was the only they were the only winters that we actually had something so for the as martin said to start like we have a rainy season in this country uh we need to really consider this secondly so is the so street. why why do we keep doing it <laughs> After, year on year because well let if you really want me to be Straight to the point, there are certain people running schoolboy football that can't stand the notion of having a single calendar year because they think that it will impinge on their lifestyles. Where in actuality, if we had a fully embraced, uh, interconnected uh, football structure in this country, we would have uh, a football offering 12 months of the year by mm-hmm. playing futsal in the winter uh, football through, uh, through the rest of the year and you could even have them go, go being on at the same time because with kids you could have you could have a futsal league playing on a Friday night and the and kid, same kids playing a football match on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning if you really wanted it. sure. it's just people don't want it but the other things I was going mm-hmm. to say were uh, street football as Martin said has basically disappeared futsal will give the opportunity to replicate that or uh, at least the next best opportunity and then the third thing, which I would really love to see is I would love to see leagues splitting, um, embracing futsal, running futsal programs and splitting teams uh, on a, on an age group basis. So that maybe you could have uh, kids January to June in one group of games and other kids from July to December in another group. And, you know, you could have slightly smaller squads. And you could really use Futsal as an opportunity to deal with uh, late developers, deal with children who were born second half of the mm-hmm. year who often uh, often miss out. Futsal is literally there as an opportunity for trying things uh, to help make the experience better for our children. Because sure. ultimately yeah. that's all I want.
0: But the thing is, I mean, how I described my own experience earlier, like it's all positive. Everybody is coming out after the game smiling. Players, coaches, parents, everybody's happy, whether you, you won, lost, or
2: drew. Yeah. And um, the, one, the ones making you know, the decision and are the ones seeing the negative side of not using football, futsal. And it will be interesting to see what is the argument behind that because I never heard anything um, about it. Mm. Uh, they, they, they say no, 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 and that's the only answer that we have heard. but why don't I challenge them? Let's just go and have a chat. Why are you saying that this is not for developing uh, football players? I, I, th- I think it, 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 it is really good. Let's us having a, a conversation to see because if countries like Brazil, countries like Spain, Countries like Russia, like Portugal are using football, futsal to develop players, and we know how successful they had been. Argentina, even Uruguay, uh, why, why, we are not using, why we are not using this tool? We are not saying that we are going to win the World Cup. We are saying we are going to have better football players. Sure, that's the only thing that we're saying. And and I remember um, um, Stephen Kerr asked me this question. Well, but if if you know if futsal is so good, why? Uh, Uruguay um, has not won any uh, World Cup since many, many years ago. And I said, listen, if you think about it, we have the same size as Ireland and we have the same amount of population, but the Uruguayan players are playing in all the important leagues around the world. The Spanish league, the uh, Italian league, the French league, the um, German league, uh, the English league, they're playing in all the leagues. Some Irish players are lucky enough to play in England. Yeah, And, and yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So what we cannot change that,
0: sure.
2: we can change yeah. that. And we yeah. as coaches should be pushing futsal uh, from down. up.
0: Yeah, I just want to pick up on, on two items you were talking about. One is the, the street football. So John Giles and Eamon Dunphy, who are still, I would say, very influential in, in Irish football in, in, uh, in the media, huge fans of street football, they keep talking about going back to the street because that, that's where they learned how to play. And futsal is a perfect solution to what they're talking about. And the other thing is, uh, to Stephen's point about the, um, you know, about what you want for your, for your kids and stuff like that. I, I think a lot of language that is used around football and sport is totally misunderstood. So the term player-centred I actually think we need to use different, simpler language because I think everybody talks about it, but nobody really, not nobody, so many people don't understand what it means. You know, you'll hear people saying, oh, it's a player, player-centered approach, et cetera, et cetera, and yet they'll go out on Saturday, and if they win 10-0, they're delighted. But you know, what's player-centered about winning 10-0? What's player-centered about the, the opposition that are, that are walking away after getting beaten? 10 Hill,
2: you know it's just that's I, it I just think it's that's, so that's misunderstood. It, misunderstood exactly and that's what i mentioned to you before that some coaches they don't think about player development some mm-hmm. coaches they're thinking about how am i going to win um and next uh, next match that i have ahead of me and, and that's probably for me that's that's something that we as coaches need to change should be all about development I think certain age should be all about development. And if 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 you don't have if you can have a league, but forget about the points. Just play matches. Yes, today next, next match is against this team, but forget about who is first, who's second. Just try to make sure that your players are playing better than the match they played before.
0: Sure, absolutely. Martin, in my experience, right, and, and I can't remember, Stephen, you might you might be able to tell me when when you move from competitive to sorry, non-competitive to competitive. So, in other words, you know, there's no league table and then there's a league table. Is it under 13, maybe? Mm, yeah. Depends on each given league. I yeah, I can't, I can't remember, right? But for me, for me, it was a couple of years ago, right? And, for example, if I was playing against Stephen Finn's team in the non-competitive thing, I'd arrive at the game, with and Stephen would have a chat, probably shake hands pre-COVID, everything nice and friendly, you know, best to luck in the game. And then you could be playing each other three months later when, when the new season starts and all of a sudden there's a league table and I arrive at the ground and Stephen Finn turns his back on me. And that was what, what I witnessed. And you're kind of going, what's the story here? Like nothing has changed other than there's now a league table and, the, and coaches' behaviours just totally different i think it's very hard to control that paul i think the reality is that
1: for a certain group of people thinking about you know more holistic approach it's just so alien to them they actually think that if i win this weekend it matters and it really doesn't it never mm-hmm. does I, I i would have spoken about this yeah before. No, absolutely um like the things that i would do again like if i had the magic wand i would have uh I would have a situation where essentially, so your home farm will be your club and say mm. my son was with Rangers and Bush park. I, what I would like to have is I bring five teams over to home farm this week and there's tea and sandwiches and the parents are all intermingling. The kids have a bit of crack They play more than one match. Uh, you know, there's a mishmash of games. And then, as you say, a few weeks later, uh, you bring five teams over uh, to Bushy park if it was on and uh, I get my parents to make sandwiches and uh, Mm -hmm. tea and whatnot. And we have, and just like make a really community and stuff like that. The problem is that some people uh, are so petrified of that because they think, Oh, you have to teach them winning habits and all that crack. There's literally zero evidence to support any of that. And the second thing then is You know, when we look at the the holistic development of players, if you are the sort of coach that has trials at under 12s or under 13s, in my view, you are instantly... uh, you were instantly telling every player in your squad that if a better kid walks in the door, it doesn't matter all the years that we've worked together. Mm, yeah. I'm hushing you out of here. Absolutely. The knock on effect of that is obviously you will cut who you consider to be the dead, the dead wood, and you might get in the better kid from whatever, but all the best players in your team, their relationship with you has now changed. They now say, well, I better start looking at another club because Paul's going to cut me if another lad comes along. So you're actually cultivating a rootlessness. It's all about change. People, we have to change. To me, embracing futsal is part of it. Embracing a new mindset is part of it. But our leaders, like I I always make this point, uh, we need leaders. We need people who can really drag people in the right direction and call people out who are not representing the values of our sport, uh, letting people go to me at 10, 11, 12 years of age is just criminal. And I always think back to, uh, and I, I also don't think it's just clubs, by the way. I think my first bad experience of football really was with my school team when, uh, when I was in sixth class. And the manager, the teacher of my school team always made sure every player played, that was it. Mm-hmm. And then one week he wasn't there And another teacher took the team and he brought on no subs. So there was like six kids on the line all looking at him going, what's going on here? Now, I know this is back in the day, right? Mm. But that was my first negative experience uh, of football. And standing Mm. on the line, watching a match, like I haven't turned up to watch some other kids play. I've turned up for me to play.
0: You know, know it was a great lesson for me. I remember my own son playing in a team and he didn't get on. Mm. And I felt really hurt by it. I felt sorry for him, really sorry. For him. Now it didn't really affect him, but mm. I felt really bad for him. And it really opened it up to me as as a manager how important it is to be aware of the guys on the line. Mm-hmm. That they have feelings, they have emotions. You know that. Uh, you know, it's like like how often might a player leave your team, and you never really delve into why. You know, mm-hmm. just he just happens to be gone. And, and, you know, you don't know what effects maybe somebody has said something to him or he or her and, and wasn't enjoying it. And maybe you didn't you didn't pick up on it, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Again, you for, agree?
2: Me, for me, it's not a, I always said. I mean, people who knows me know that I'm not the person who is thinking about winning this or winning that. Every time that I step into a, a team, the only thing that I care about is how am I going to improve um, this group of players? how I'm going to bring them to the next level. And if along the way we manage to win something, Hmm. then it's a result of all the work that we have done. uh, And not because of something else. Um, So in my case, but again, that will be on who, who is the best coach, the one who wins all the titles or someone else?
0: But Martin, the perception sometimes is that, you know? Well,
2: that's, that's, that's at elite level. Okay. Elite Hmm. level. Those, those, and maybe they're right, maybe they're not. I, I'm, 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 I'm thinking that for me, as a coach, I'm an educator. And as an educator, I need to make sure that all the players that are under my umbrella are being developed the same way. The same way. All the players, and when I say the same way, I'm not saying all of them equally. I'm saying some. these players need this, this player needs this, and this player needs this. But I'm going to try to help them as much as I can, as I can
0: how, how do that, you create that uh, environment and expectation, whether it's with the players or with their parents? And I know you say you, say you haven't coached in a while, but how, how do you do that in terms of managing their expectations? So let's say you, you, you didn't win games.
2: For me, as, as I said, um, my expectations with all my players are really clear. Normally, what I do with them is an assessment at the beginning when they come to me. Okay, I assess them, I see where the level they are. And then I'm making sure that um, all of them are getting feedback session by session by session by session. That's, that's what I always do. And, and I, I, when I was uh, coaching at grassroots level, it is always good to once in a while, um, present to the parents some sort of document where you state, okay, this is the stuff that I have been working with your kid. This is where the player came, uh, you know, the the, the skills or whatever, the way that you want to structure, and this is where the player is now. And this is what I'm going to be working to make sure that he goes to this level. So those are the things that you as coach. But again, you need to be thinking about, I'm an educator, so I'm an educator, how I'm going to make sure that this play goes from here to there. If you're thinking about the results that you're going to have on Saturday or Sunday or maybe Friday night, then you are not, you are not a coach you are a, a one of you know these these coaches from the games that you have on computers or playstation so That's Martin, what,
0: what happens and i love what you're saying there what happens when a good player arrives down i don't know whether there are rules and regulations around the futsal in terms of you can only have a squad size of whatever 12 or whatever so we've are there regulations like that or could you just so in other words if you bring in a new player do you have to get rid of a player? That you've done all that work with, and you know, was developing. But to Stephen's point, all these, these examples of players in and then moved on, and all the kind of stuff—is that the
2: same in futsal Are, are you talking at a little level, or are you talking at no
0: grass, still grassroots?
2: Still, well, yeah. that, that, that that would that would be the same as football. I mean, if if it, normally what you have, I mean, for the matches you're allowed to bring fourteen players, uh, twelve for for grassroots, uh, but then you can have a squad of twenty because you as you know, you know, sometimes you know parents kind of bring the kids to to, to the matches or, or, or so, you, so like you're,
0: you wouldn't be restricted by your squad size in other think, words Paul, if you were a new player it, you wouldn't have to drop a, a lot off yeah, no, that's see, your development sorry Steve
1: Paul the, the reality is futsal doesn't have the same structures as football mm-hmm. in this country mm-hmm. It's open so but, like you, if, but you
0: know what i'm getting at like if, if yeah, i know is doing i know that i know what you're getting at but brilliant. you're
1: looking at it you're looking at it from a football lens you're not looking at it from the reality of futsal is the reality mm. of futsal in ireland is but, but what i'm open, getting
0: that is the learnings from that for for football
1: you know do you know what i mean yeah well yeah exactly What what i what i think what i think you need to recognize is that um from say from futsal perspective you can you can tweak things to suit yourself because it's in it's still in its infancy in this country mm. so i think it's well worth looking at the things that maybe you find uh you know frustrating about football uh, particularly around rules like let's be honest some of the football uh, associations in ireland uh, have rule books that are like 50 ways to stop children playing football mm. <laughs> like mm. it's just crazy uh Everything in player development should be looking at uh, well, what's best for the kid. And when we're talking about player centred, if you look at Southampton had uh, Oxley Chamberlain when he was a kid, and they played him a year younger. So he was, I'm not sure what year he was born in. We'll say he was born in 2000, and they played him with uh, the 2001s. Um, so he was too old under if you really cared about the fixture or that fixture at, on that given day. Well, he played in those matches because Sir Hampton recognised that his, at his stage of his development, the children his age uh, were too far ahead of him. And so he was he played a year out of his age to give himself the chance to keep playing, to keep developing, to catch up. In our country, we don't like doing this sort of thing. Mm. We just want to go... Uh, This competition is for children born this year. Good luck if you play a fella or a girl who's too old, uh, the team gets kicked out of the league and
0: uh, people get banned. Uh, And and, and bear in mind, always looking at it from way too professional mindset, absolutely. But bear in mind, rules and regulations come in because people have been breaking them for so long. Do you know what I mean? You you bring in a rule because who cares? hmm? Who cares? Like, seriously. who cares about what?
1: Who cares about whether uh, you play... So Home Farm are playing Rangers next week mm. and uh, there's a kid who's six months too old, but he's yeah. tiny. Sure. Who cares
2: if he plays in the match?
0: Uh, well, well, I totally agree with you. I don't care. But lots yeah, I of know. people do. <laughs> well, that's, that's why, that's why they bring the rules okay, in, but that's, you know, that's, which is ridiculous.
2: Thinking, okay, so that comes back to we are not thinking about developing, mm. we're just thinking about winning the match. Yeah, those, exactly. Those yeah. are the people who should be removed. Yeah. Futsal related is more like if, if we are thinking about developing foot, football and uh, football players. Another thing that, in my opinion, is killing the development of uh, the players is that if I start with an under six uh, team, okay, you, you six team, then I'm going to stay with that team until the uh, use uh, 18. So they will only learn from me mm. where I think that coaches – if, if I'm an, an under-7 coach, I should stay with under-7. And mm-hmm. next, next season, I will yeah. have a, a, a brand-new group of players. And then so on and so forth. Because me being with those kids from U 6 until U 18 is not helping anybody.
0: Sure. I, I think, Martin, I want to pick you up just on, on a point from earlier in a second. But I think, in my view, the nature of how people get involved in coaching is, you know, your, your son or daughter is playing. So, and and I'll just use myself as an example, right? So I've been with my son all the way up. And I look at that as quality time with him. And as they get older, that quality time reduces and reduces because you end up being, you're not so cool anymore, you know, and that's they they stop talking to you because they're too busy doing other stuff. So, So that time I have with him at training is quality time for me. And that's the reason I want to stay with his team what you're saying, I absolutely agree with. But I think the nature of um, parents getting involved is that they, they, they tend to want to stay with their own kids team. Rightly or wrongly, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think we would be far better with having coaches at different age groups. Maybe we would need to pay coaches to do that. I don't know. Steve, in your experience and my experience it's probably a very similar experience to lots of other people who are coaching. So what Martin is saying is absolutely correct. But the reason I think it doesn't happen is because generally it's parents that get involved Mm. and probably want to stay with their kid. It might be for me quality time, or it might be because Mm -hmm. you you don't think he's getting the right, he or she's getting the right training with other people. Um, But all of those things, Martin, I think are feeding into what, what you have said there is probably, The best way to do it would be that yeah you would you would stay in your lane and you would stay where you're most effective absolutely yeah 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 just a point earlier i was trying to to pick uh, get get in i suppose martin i'm not looking on you as a futsal coach right i'm looking at you as a coach and what you explain there about how you go about developing players i think is brilliant but If you're you're in an environment and you you are not thinking about development, and I know we are, but if you're in that mold of, Steve, and you're talking about, you know, you've got players and better players come in and all that kind of stuff and you're all floating players, why would you bother doing what Martin is doing? And what Martin is doing is brilliant because you're developing your players and you're developing them correctly. But why would you invest all that time and energy into a team if you're only going to replace them when new lads are coming
2: along? You wouldn't. Which is wrong. Well, you're building relationship, right? Hmm. So for me, the most important thing is not winning a title. Is Hmm. someone saying, you know what? I was coached by Martin and Martin helped me to go from here to there. That's the only thing that I care about. I want players. players. That's that's my reward. My reward is not having a medal. My reward is not having a cup. I, I, I don't even care about it. I just care when players are leaving the team coming to me saying hey martin thank you very much because along this year or two years or three years for as long as the play was with me this is how much i grew and that's the only thing that i care and then when i come back i'm really happy and i really expect like almost winning a trophy well that's the ultimate
0: the ultimate award is is that and 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 people may not ever say it to you so sometimes you have to self-reflect and go i know i've had an influence yeah. So this thing about, as Stephen, you've said about winning the league and not remembering the following year who won it I mean, you're not getting anything as a coach out of that. Mm. Well, I actually think the only people who gain anything are
1: that manager if that's what they want you know, ratcheting up uh, a few cups and, and titles so that they can tell everyone and then maybe they get uh, nabbed by a bigger club uh, or that club which then says oh, you know, we're the team that won X and, you know, they might use that to, uh, to uh, you know, encourage a, a good player from another club to to sign for us with the view of maybe selling them to the UK at some stage, which has been the traditional schoolboy thing. But all of this reminds me of, uh, I think it was a trigger in Only Fields and Horses where he said he had a brush for uh, the last 20 years and it's had only four new heads and five new handles. Um, but it was the same brush in his head mm. and if we're coaches who've worked with a team for X number of years but we have zero players still with us at under 16 that we mm. did sure. at under 12 you haven't been working with the same team mm. for X number of years you've been working with a group of people for one year and then another group of people for another year and another mm. group of people for another year Absolutely. and ultimately I think for me as a coach you know I want every player who works with me uh, to understand what I'm trying to teach them and to feel that they're in an environment where they're going to get better, they're going to improve. And when they outgrow me, I'm thrilled. You Mm. know, when I had Shell's under-17s, my priority was to get players up to the under-19 team as quickly as I could. And with the the players that I had there, uh, I think 19 of them ultimately ended up being on a match card for a League of Ireland game of some description, whether it was the the
0: League Cup, the FAI Cup, or even, say, the Sear Cup. So,
1: that, to me, was the success that I no, had coaching those No, absolutely. And
0: Stephen, if you, if you have a squad of 16, and let's say the rules are saying you can only have a squad of 16, right? And you, this fantastic player arrives down, and you then have to make a choice of, I take him on, but if I take him on, I need to lose the fella, or girl that's been with me since there. what what would you do? I, I had exactly that situation mm. at Shells. So
1: mm. uh, in the first year, I had the squad and there was a lot of good players. And good players came up during the summer. And in the under Underage Leagues, or EA Sports Underage Leagues, as it's called now, There was only you could only sign 20 players to the under-17 team. Mm. But I never let a player go. What I tried to do was identify uh, players who could move up to the 19th. And when I got those players up to the 19th, I created a uh, space for, for players to come in. So I had a situation where I got some... ...up to the 19th, but I couldn't get get them all up. And Ali Regba had come to me during the summer and William Hondermark came to me in that same summer. And uh, another player called Mike O'Keefe And I told all three of them that you are excellent players and I really want to work with you, but I'm not going to be able to work with you in the formal sense and sign you until uh, the space emerges. If the space doesn't emerge, you can go off and go to another club if you want. Mm. But uh, I'd like you to trust me, stay around what I'm doing. And in January, when uh, the next year starts I'll 100% sign you Mm. and all three of those players uh, went came trained with me Ali funnily enough went and spent six months with home farm, William signed for Shelburne's DDSL team and uh, Mikey unfortunately got injured actually as it happened but all three of them came back to me in January all three of them did fantastically well for me the following year, the trust, I had placed my trust in them They trusted me that Mm. I had their best interests uh, at heart. It was only six months. They trained with me occasionally during that period of time. And uh, when their seasons ended, which whatever teams they were with, they started playing, training with me, full-time friendlies with that. And all three of those players ended up uh, making League of Ireland appearances. Ali signed for Leicester City. Mm -hmm. William signed for Norwich. You know, you're talking about seriously good players. But because I was honest and they understood... The so I'm understanding
0: you correctly. Would, would you have had a bigger squad size at times, only it wasn't a formal squad? In other words, you know, you might have more down at training, for example. Yeah, you might have more yeah. down at training, mm. for sure, yeah. yeah. And okay.
1: uh, essentially, you know, you try and play the odd friendly and stuff like that. Mm, brilliant, like, uh, yeah. The crazy thing about, like, the artists in Underage League get so much criticism. Yeah, we had this mad situation where at Shelbourne, I could only sign 20 players, but our DDSL team could sign an unlimited number of players. There is no mm. limits on how many players you can actually sign in schoolboy football. Uh, like I remember I was at one club when I was a kid and they had nearly 40 players signed like mm. farcical stuff.
0: Cause sometimes uh, the rules are very limiting. You know, when you, when you, when you have a philosophy, say if you want to call it a philosophy or a way of doing things like Martin described, sometimes you realize I can't do it because the rules are, not allowing me to do it. And and Martin, the reason I'm I'm honing in on this is because, because I loved the way you spoke about your approach there is that Stephen, how Stephen described the team that when it gets to under 16 and only has two players left in it, that have been with you from the start is kind of the reality, maybe not across the board, but the reality of the, the situation where you'd have the same 16 players all through you know, going up through whether they're coached by, by one individual or, or by different coaches.
2: Uh, well, that those, doesn't those seem are, to exist. You know. Yeah, but those are the, the those. That's one of the reasons why we are coaches, right? Uh, so we need to make those tough decisions, and we need to to think about what is best for the group. Mm. Okay, what is best for the group, and what is best for the players that you that you have. And, and, and if you're lucky enough to get a player who is better than the other 16 players than you have, then the other 16 players need to know that, you know what, we're going to have a period of time where we're going to be working all together, but um, suddenly so one of you will have to leave the squad and it will be up to you. It made, made my life different. it made my life difficult. I mean, I have that problem when I have a squad of 20 players and I only have to pick 14 for a match. Mm. It's more or less the same situation because mm-hmm. then you need to convince that player that okay, maybe next time you get your chance to play. But what happens if next time is it's not his time and or her time? So you as coach, you need to make sure that you know you 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 manage that. And 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 I always say that if if you are one of the players who is a regular, don't be lazy. Because if you're lazy, the player who is not playing has more eager. To get better than you, you're resting. And while you're resting, this guy is getting better and maybe will take your place. So never stop learning, never stop challenging yourself. And, and again, as coaches, we need to make those tough decisions. Mm. It, it will be Apollo, Steven. I need to make a decision. It's going to be hard. But as long as you're fair with both of them, even if if, if you're the one who needs to leave the squad, or Steven needs to leave this, I need to. I need to tell them and first of all I need to be honest and I need to tell Paul these are the reasons why I have to leave the art of the squad these are the things that I think you need to improve if you want to come back but I, you, need yeah. to, you need to provide yeah. that assessment because the player needs to know that yeah. it's not because of this of that or that because then perception is going to is going to play a big role in in that in that way of of. that player thinking so you need to be honest with that player and tell that player these are the reasons why these are the reasons i think you need to improve moving forward well martin would you
1: do that with a child
2: well again i i i have i said this to paul i haven't coached a a a grassroots team in a long long time yeah 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 okay so i don't know the i didn't know i didn't even know that there were rules to having a a what when i was at the drum united um I, I, that rule didn't exist, so I was lucky if I had more than sixteen players on my squad. Yeah. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were always yeah. always struggling with with players. And when I was with the uh, DDS, uh, sorry, with the uh, uh, NDSL uh, as an academy coach, we had a squad of twenty, but we were the one picking the twenty players. Mm-hmm. And every 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 year was different. So yeah. so uh, I don't know in that situation how what. Well, so again. I, I just said, think it's
0: a real problem. I think it's a real problem that that scenario of a new player comes along and you drop off the lad who's been with you for whatever number of years. and he, he, Not that he's nowhere to go, but you probably don't know
2: where he goes because you not you don't care, you know, and yeah. it's wrong. Now, again, I don't know about that rule, uh, about the amount of plays that squad you size, yeah. on your squad, yeah. but yeah. If, 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 if someone new comes but I already have a squad... And, and I'm working with those pro, pro, might, if you ask me honestly, pro, probably I wouldn't take, I wouldn't take the new guy, because I, I want to co- continue to work with the players mm-hmm. that I have. And again, if you're thinking about developing players, if we are not thinking about it, I need to win the match, so I, I wouldn't care yeah. if somebody is better than the ones that I wow, have.: That's pretty. Because, Jeff. because my, my only way of, of moving forward is, is knowing that these players are going to be at some stage playing for a, a, an electricity team league. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's, yep. what, that's what I will be working towards. Now, if I'm thinking about winning matches, mm-hmm. then I will take that player and probably I will give rid of one of the... Yeah,
0: that. exactly. And you know what? When I think back at my own days of playing, I don't think about winning games and stuff. I think about the relationships that I had with the lads that I... That even if, if we weren't great, you went to the trenches, you went and you battled hard together. And it was all about the people that you met and you played with all along. Do you know, and maybe coaches at some point will get when they when they go through the full life cycle of maybe getting to eighteen and and coaching eighteen and maybe fall out of it. Maybe, um, maybe they look back and go, "What on earth was I thinking of trying to win with
2: after the leads?" Yeah, leagues. I doubt it.
0: For, well, yeah, well, there, there's, there's the. Um, I think we might finish on that because, yeah,
2: <laughs> well, we, we, we can we can spend hours and hours talking about this, and and at the end of the day, you know. Uh, we, we are not going to go anywhere because for me, the biggest problem in a grassroots level is that some of the coaches, they believe they're coaching an elite team. They, they believe they are playing for the, champ, for the mm. chance to play the Champions League. And I think that we need to change that. We need to change that. We need to start to think about how are we going to develop our, our players? The
0: Grassroots Coach. Conversations for grassroots soccer enthusiasts.